Well, welcome. We are so glad that you've chosen to join us in worship this morning as we are continuing on in our summer sermon series, The Fruit of the Spirit. This is gonna be a great series. I hope you're enjoying it. Mike kicked us off two weeks ago with The Fruit of the Spirit Love. And then we had the lovely Kim Dortilly kick us off last week with the fruit of the Spirit, joy. If you missed any of these sermons, I highly recommend going back to our YouTube channel, checking them out, get caught up, they're good. So today I'm really excited to be talking about peace. The fruit of the Spirit, peace. How many of us could use this word this morning? Definitely me. I'm gonna be preaching to my heart today. Just want you all to know that. Peace, it's a good word for us. We're gonna go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter five. You can turn there with your, in your Bibles or devices at home. Galatians chapter five, verses 22 through 26 is where we'll be planning ourselves today. Listen to the reading of God's word. By contrast, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. And as we say together every week, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed for this good word for us today. Now, in preparing for this sermon, I, I wanted to really just take my time with this list here from Paul. You know, I, like you, maybe I grew up in the church. I, I'm very familiar with this passage. You know, I can rattle it off. Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And we just kind of go, yeah, yeah, great. And we check it off, we move on. But I wanted to sit with this list and I wanted to do a little inventory. Like, how am I doing with this fruit of the Spirit? You know, and I think there's some that I'm like, yep, I got that, okay, love, joy, definitely got some joy in there. Uh, I would say kind, you know, kindness. People who know me, they would say she's got love and joy and she's kind. But some fruit that I might need to work on a little bit would be patience, you know, maybe gentleness, a tad, and peace. Ooh, peace. I need some peace in my life. Maybe you had a similar feeling reading through that list. You know, maybe there's something, you, you have really dialed it in with self-control. You are like locked and loaded with goodness, but maybe you could use a little peace. Now we could all, you know, use some tending of this fruit. There are fruit that are listed here that really need some, some help, you know, from the spirit for us. But I would say that I think all of us, all of us could use some encouragement when it comes to peace. Now, as Christians, as little Christs, are we a peaceful people? Is that what we are known for in our country? Are Christians known for their peace and their peacemaking? Let me ask you this. Can you pick somebody? Can you think of one person that you would describe as peaceful? It's just having like a peace about them. And I don't mean love or joy because I was talking to some people about this and really what they were seeing is joy or, or love, kindness. But peace, it's unique. There's a uniqueness to this fruit. And we're gonna come back to that question in a little bit. The thing is, if you've said yes to Jesus, then you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. 
And that means you have this fruit. You have the fruit of the Spirit, peace. Now, this is not like, you know, some have been given peace and love and kindness. This is not like the gifts of the Spirit that we hear about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which Mike probably touched on, like prophesying or healing. As Christ's followers, this is a whole singular fruit. We've just forgotten that it's there. In a world of turmoil, in a culture of conflict, in the church and outside the church, let's be honest, we need to weed out what is choking our peace. And we need to be led by the Spirit and find our way back to the roots of real peace, real peace, the true shalom of belonging to God. Now, first, let's go back to the text and see what's going on here. Verse 1, in contrast, stop. In contrast, Paul, in contrast to what? Well, let's go back a little bit further and find out what we're contrasting here. In verse 16, we find out what this list is being compared to. Verse 16 says this, Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. This is quite a catalog of vices listed. It's interesting, I think, too, how Paul says, and things like these at the end, and things like these. Like, I just have given up at this point. I've rattled off so many things. You get the idea. Yeah, Paul, you've listed 15. 15 words listed here. And more than half have to do with some sort of conflict or interpersonal hostility. Words that highlight dissension and offenses against the unity of the community. Enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy. Paul's focus on these community-destroying behaviors shows that his main concern is for unity and peace within the Galatian church. Unity and peace. That was highlighted for him in this community. They were obviously not feeling a whole lot of peace going on. And Paul is highly concerned for them. He's desperately trying to get them to remember the truth about the gospel of Christ and who they now are in the spirit. Yet they were getting caught up in quarrels. They were consumed with bickering and fighting and division. Does this sound familiar at all to the church today? They were being choked out by the weeds of the flesh. And so Paul reminds them, to be led by the Spirit, reminds them of the life-giving source and abundant fruit that the Spirit produces in them now. To emphasize this point a little further, I think it's important for us to, to unpack the context a little more with this church. We read in chapter one that this community in Galatia was being exposed to what Paul calls another gospel, a false gospel. You see, they claimed Jesus, but it ultimately fell short of being a Christian gospel because it diminished the work of Christ on the cross. 
Throughout this letter, Paul is urging the Galatians to remember that Christ has done away with the law. The works of the law were trying to, to come back on the scene again from this group, demanding circumcision for believers. But Paul says it's through Christ alone that you're made righteous, not through works of the law. That's how we're set free through the spirit, which now resides in us, those who believe. So to think about this idea of another gospel, a false gospel, you know, that sounds kind of mostly true, but maybe it's a little different, like good news with some strings attached. It's not really good news. And I wonder, I know actually, we're tempted to believe another gospel sometimes. And thinking about the conflict around and within us, and thinking about the worries and the anxieties occupying our minds and our hearts, we often open ourselves up to believing that something else, something else will give us peace ultimately. Maybe it's a Jesus and gospel. Fill in the blank. What is that for you? Many of us suffer from a severe lack of peace in our lives. We're at war with many things. We're constantly fighting, arguing, attacking, wounding, shielding, defending. We're even witnessing it happening all around us. It's just, it's a lot of conflict. We're even at battle in our hearts with ourselves. A friend of mine who's been a clinical psychologist in LA for over 40 years, she says that for decades, the majority of struggles that people faced had to do with depression. You know, for decades, that was, that was the main thing she saw, depression. But in the last five years, that has dramatically changed. The main thing that people are suffering with and struggling with, let's say it together, anxiety. Anxiety. We're anxious, fearful, consumed with worry, and we've been through so much the last couple of years and in recent months with violence and shootings in our communities. And it just keeps coming. So we turn to things to help us forget, help us ignore, help us avoid, help us run from our fears. And yet I also think it's interesting here that several times, if you notice this, Paul points out envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy is listed in the verses in 20 through 21 and also in verse 26. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? This is a 2,000 year old text. Now, a friend of mine who's been doing some work in Milwaukee over the last several months, she was telling me that upon coming back to LA, you know, she grew up here. But she says these trips, coming back and forth from Milwaukee to LA, in these trips, she's kind of recognized just how frenetic the pace of LA is. And the, and I quote her on saying this, the never enoughness of this city. The never enoughness of this city. Does that phrase resonate with you at all? We struggle with this, with, with envy, jealousy, comparison, competition, just as the Galatians did, and it majorly disrupts our peace. We're not content with our lives. 
with our careers, our home, our spouse, our paycheck, our family, the vacation we just took. Oh, but wait, oh, but wait. Did you know that you can buy peace? Did you know that you can buy contentment? Oh yes, yes. Now I'm gonna to speak to my ladies for a second and maybe even some of my, my guys. Can we talk about aging? Buy this cream. It's really gonna help your, your aging situation. It's gonna make you look real young. Oh, but you know what? That's not really gonna do it all because you really need the supplement. The supplement is what's gonna just boost your metabolism, really make you thrive. But you know what? That's ultimately gonna still leave you wanting more. So what you need to do is take this, this yoga detox trip to Bali for three weeks and that's just gonna restore and renew your life and you're gonna come back and be like the new you, new beginning. You've got peace and contentment and fulfillment in your life. Only you don't actually because then it becomes another thing that you need. Another thing that you need to buy or consume, another trip to take. Now guys, I don't know what it is for you. DJ, what is it for you guys? Cars, I don't know. A home improvement project, right? There's this, this, this desire for something else to fulfill us, to bring us peace, but it doesn't. Over and over and over again. We're being sold peace other than Jesus. And it's this consumeristic cycle because what happens is we get that anxiety conjured up. Oh gosh, this is happening in your life, but here's the solution. And it's not meant to end. It's a vicious cycle. And sometimes we see it for what it really is. Sometimes we see it for a false gospel. We hear a sermon, we read something, we walk away. This is the anxiety that has repeatedly diseased our roots of peace. For many of us, I recognize that there is this ache in us, this restlessness, this conflict. And sometimes it's hard for us to name. Sometimes we think we know what it is. Sometimes it's loud, sometimes it's quiet. But friends, I believe with everything in me that this ache in us, this fight in us is really about a longing to be with God. With God, being with God is when we truly find rest for our souls. Being in the presence of the living God, in the embrace of Christ, we surrender and we experience true peace within us. Do you ever notice with little kids that they're only really at peace in the arms of their parents. You know, I don't matter, it doesn't matter how crazy and like riled up they are. When they fall into the arms of a loving parent, they just surrender. Their bodies get heavy and they relax. You can feel the tension leave as they just surrender to that embrace. Theologian and author, an all-around great guy, Dallas Willard, said this, peace is real peace when it hits your body. Peace is real peace when it hits your body. He was leading a workshop, and this is 20-some years ago, and he was talking about the epidemic of, of sleeplessness in our country, which we still have today. We can't sleep. We are ridden with anxiety. 
It keeps us awake at night. It keeps us tossing and turning. And then we begin another day exhausted and anxious. There's this connection here to peace and rest that I want us to think about for a minute. We are weary from fighting the battle within us. Think about this. When, when people die, we say, may they rest in peace. When they have died, now they can rest. Now they can be at peace because they're not here anymore. Because we all know that being here, you can't find rest or real peace. But when you're dead, you can find that rest and peace. Friends, I want to take this back. I want to take this blessing back for us here and now today. May God give you rest and peace through the power of the Holy Spirit today, while you're still breathing, rest and peace here and now. What does it look like to follow the Spirit's lead and weed out what is choking your peace? Jealousy, envy, comparison, consumerism, your news feed. I actually deleted the news from my phone. I'm not trying to be uninformed. I'm just trying to lower the anxiety and the fear and the dissension and the quarrels and the enmities and the strife. Like, just take it off your phone. What is, what is needing to be weeded out, choking the roots of your peace? Here's another question I want you to really think about. And I asked this to a friend of mine just before speaking with you today. And she said, that's hard for me to believe. Here, here's the question. Do you believe that the invitation of God right now for your life today is to have peace? Do you believe that to be true? When I think about the question that we talked about at the beginning of this sermon, do I know anybody who demonstrates peace or has a peaceful presence about them? Friends, I'm not talking about somebody who's just really kind of chill vibes, you know, really just quiet or, you know, non-confrontational, just kind of, you know, is to themselves. That's not what I'm talking about. Someone who is peaceful has a non-anxious presence about them. They help lower the fears in the room. Someone, just by talking with them, you feel more at peace with yourself. Do you know anybody like that? I know it's a, it's a hard one for us to answer. I, I know two guys, and, and they're awesome, Jeff Tackland and Steve Summerall. These men both work in ministry, and they pour their lives out to disciple people to a deeper connection, a deeper faith with God. And both of these guys regularly practice peace. They regularly practice peace by abiding with Jesus. The rhythm of their life is solitude, silence, prayer, getting away to be with the one who calls them beloved. Friends, I wanna ask all of this, and, and this is not in a shaming way, please don't hear it that way, okay? I'm asking myself this too. Why do we give God the last bits of our day why do we give God an hour of our week on Sunday and then act surprised 
why we're not experiencing the peace that Paul describes as the peace that surpasses all understanding in our lives. Jesus says, my peace I give you. My peace I give you. Do you receive it? You gotta, you gotta take it. Jesus is our daily bread, not weekly, friends. Pastor Rich Lotus, I love how he describes this. He says, you know, we, we want a Costco God. We want to like fill up and bulk on Sundays and just like let that carry us through the week. But this is a daily bread kind of God. And I would say hourly bread, right? I need some water. I need a snack. I need to be consuming Jesus who gives me life, who nourishes my soul. Jesus is our daily bread, daily bread. Not weekly bread, friends. Not just once a week on Sundays, daily. And I would say hourly. We need this nourishment. We need to be fed with the one who calls us beloved. The one who nourishes our soul. Good fruit doesn't come from a malnourished tree. We've got to water it, right? We need the sun, the sun every day for hours now, I know you might be thinking, Rebecca, I can't get away for hours every day in silence and solitude to, to cultivate my relationship with God. I've got a, you know, a job, I've got a family, I've got, you know. And that's why I want to introduce you to a famous 17th century monk, Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence actually wrote a little book called Practicing the Presence of God. And I highly recommend it. Practicing the Presence of God. In this book, Brother Lawrence describes the habit of holy thought. The habit of holy thought. The main idea with this being the conversation with God is something that we weave in throughout our day. It's a practice of our thinking. Even in the mundane, even in the ordinary, even in all of our responsibilities, we can have this communion, this conversation, this connection with God. Now, this can be ongoing. It's not just set aside time for reading scripture or prayer, although that's important. But this is woven into our very thought life. When I walk into the room, Jesus. When I'm driving, Jesus. When I'm doing the dishes, Jesus. When I look over my life, the 30-something years of my life, where I have felt the most peace, the most contentment, and the deepest connection with God, it has been with regularly practicing the presence of God. Just this last year, it was in these mundane moments of my commute, of cooking dinner, and of walking my gorgeous black lab, Selah, around the neighborhood, where I felt the Spirit lead me in three specific ways. One, I heard, don't let your heart be hardened, Rebecca. Stay soft, stay open. Two, if you, if you don't do things in love, then you're making noise. You're a clanging symbol. You're making noise, do everything in love. Three, don't be resentful. Let go of resentment, take on gratitude. These nudgings from the Spirit, they all produce the fruit of the Spirit growing me, guiding me, gracing me with peace. Now, we need to remember that this peace Paul writes about isn't just for the sake of the individual. 
This is not just to escape the disruption of our lives and just, you know, have that inner peace, but to bring forth peace to the world, to our neighborhoods, to our coworkers, not to contribute to the anxieties around us, but to counteract it, to actually lessen the fears of people. Once we begin to cultivate this peace with the Spirit, we can begin bringing peace to the world as we're called to. Friends, peace is not passive. It's not passive, it's active. The shalom of God is moving out of us, moving out in an all-encompassing peace, bringing wholeness and fulfillment and healing and true human flourishing. Now, I know that there are legitimate battles that we are called to fight. There is a war raging on in this world of violence and hate and abuse. But sisters and brothers, hear me. The answer to all of this conflict is, has been, and always will be love. Love. The love of Christ is the answer to our battle. Love is how we are to win over the world for God. And I mean tangible, messy, showing up, patient, not easily angered love. This leads us to victory and leads us to peace. Jesus once said, you have heard it said, which I just, I just love that Jesus says this. He flips the scripts on old teaching and old doctrine. He says, you have heard it said, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Can you imagine what it would look like in this world if we actually took that seriously for 10 minutes? We take a lot of teaching seriously in scripture. What if we took Jesus's words, love your enemy seriously? for 10 minutes, how would that transform the world? The love of Christ conquers all because his love is the road to real peace. When we love through conflict, when we see those who we feel opposed to through the eyes of Christ, when we stop comparing ourselves and competing, then through his astounding love, peace comes into view. Peace becomes our perspective. Peace becomes who we are. And this is what we resonate to our families, to our neighbors, and to our city. When we walk into a heated room full of division and factions and quarrels and envy, we can actually lower the temperature, bringing a non-anxious presence, bringing the peace of Christ. Through the power of the Spirit, we are formed with peace. We produce that fruit, not for our own sake, but for the sake of the world. We're called to carry out this message. Our feet are ready to run with a gospel of peace. In the ultimate battle over sin and death, through his love, Christ lowered his defenses. He removed the walls of hostility and he gave himself up so that we could be reconciled, so that we could be free, so that we could embody a peace that penetrates the globe. 
an inner and active outpouring of peace that calms the stores of the anxieties in this world, that breathes the shalom of God to the fears of humanity. This is the fruit of the Spirit working in us for the sake of the world. St. Francis of Assisi wrote a prayer, which I want to read to you. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Lord, make us an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled, but to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Whatever you're holding, whatever anxieties you're carrying, would you let yourself be held by Christ? And would you trust that he's got you? Would you make a renewed commitment to abide with Christ in the mundane and everyday moments of your life? Would you connect and commune with him? And would you surrender your anxious thoughts? Would you love your enemies and not just tolerate them? Would you say yes to receiving the peace that Christ freely gives? And may Jesus, our only true Prince of Peace, through the power of his spirit within you, fan the flame of peace in your soul and may this light of peace burn bright. May it blaze. May it pour over all you meet. And may they experience in meeting you the radiance and the warmth and the shalom of a God who so loved the world. Amen.